Welcome. You're listening to the Bump Podcast, a place for believers of the unexplained, monsters, and paranormal. I'm your host, Bo Kennedy. Join us as we go face-to-face with what goes bump in the night. June of 2019. Um, so where I was, I was at a children's Bible camp down in Ironton, Missouri. Uh, that's that's the basis, basically the closest uh, trajectory I can get right now is Ironton down by Elephant Rock State, State Park. Um, so I was, I was at this Bible camp I helped out with when, in my high school and college years. Um, children's camp where children would come in from these rural areas, and um, they would spend the day at the camp, and then they would go home uh, for the day, and it was just all way of like kind of community service and teach them some good life lessons and about the Bible and uh, things that we believe would, would change the course of their life. Uh, this particular camp was actually a, what we call a stay camp or an overnight camp. Um, this was a specific teenage age, uh, teenage group camp uh, was happening during this, this week, and the kids were actually staying cabins down there. So uh, kind of give you a lay of the land of what it looks like in that area. It's, it's in the foothills of the uh, Ozark Mountains or, or hills down there in southeastern Missouri. Uh, it's right where all that starts, Daniel Boone National Forest. Um, I'm sorry, Mark Twain National Forest. And um, there's a lot of a lot of hills, a lot of rolling hills, a lot of valleys and stuff like this. This particular camp's kind of in the between between like two finger valleys, and we're like right where you know your fingers would meet if you if you make a, a peace sign. That's kind of where we're at. Uh, so the campground's in the middle. <clears throat> there's a it's in an old Boy Scout camp that um, that has been there for over a hundred years. Uh, it was later bought out by a church for a Bible camp. Uh, there's at the far end, again, that's way I can describe it is if you take, take your fingers and make a peace sign, uh, where are the Bible camps about where your fingertips would be? And as you go in towards your middle of your hand, uh, that's where the cabins and chapel and rec hall would be. And as you kind of go uphill, right where the, the two fingers meet, there's an there's a old um, man-made dam there. Very old. I think that was actually 150 plus years old. Um, 
And it's a dam that holds water, and the water just rolls over it. It's kind of like that's the way that the lake that holds back drains. Um, so, so then, anyways, um, the night that this particular event happened, um, it was a clear night. Um, I don't remember really any clouds, uh, no overcast, no rain, no nothing like that. And uh, we had gone through the, the typical day's activities. Um, and got into the end of the day to where we always had a devotional slash activity that rounded out the night. <clears throat> so this particular night, we kind of went to our end-of-day activities early. It was about 9 p.m., I, if I can recall correctly, when we, we decided we were going to make our way up to um, up to a outdoor amphitheater that is behind the rec hall. So again, these are my, my little... Um, geographic illustration is you're going towards that dam. You if you sign up towards the top of your fingers or the top of your hand, um, it's right next to the dam, right behind the record. Um, so, <clears throat> sorry, I'm moving my train of thought here for a second. Um, we go up there, we're going towards this campfire. Uh, it's kind of up a hill, up on hill, we're, we're next to the dam. Or um, each cabin, which I'm a counselor at the time. I have my group of kids, which is four to five, and there's probably, gosh, five to six cabins. So there's probably about 30 kids in total. We're making our way up there, and across the other side of the creek that comes from the dam, up on the, so your, your middle finger, if you're, gonna, if you're using a peace sign, goes somewhere towards the other side of the dam. We start hearing this, this weird noise, which at the time I couldn't explain it, as anything I've ever heard before. And on Wes's show, I described it as, <clears throat> it sounded like a man who had, who was either had a speech impediment or someone who, and this is, sounds gruesome, but someone who was trying to talk who was missing their tongue or like had half a tongue. And that noise was just, it was just so eerie. Um, the best illustration I, I have, or the best example I have, if you want to listen to, what it sounds like is uh, M.K. Davis, um, Sasquatch researcher, has a has a has a uh, clip on his YouTube channel to where there was a uh, a lady who had a property, and there was a sound recording inside of this lady's barn. And it sounds like it sounds like a Sasquatch is trying to mimic human speech. Uh, very eerie, very creepy sound. Um, so, so it sounds exactly like that. Um, and the best way I can mimic it is, um, and I don't want to offend, offend anyone when I say this, it sounded like someone with the, uh, the nonverbal autism trying to talk or yell. So it was very, it was very kind of back of the throat, jumbly. It didn't, it didn't sound like any animal. It's more human-like, you know. You get this, this sound where it's, it's, like, just kind of like different pitches. So I couldn't tell if it was one creature doing it or if it was multiple creatures doing it, but it sounded like someone was trying to get the attention of something else, uh, but they couldn't verbalize it. That's what, that's what I thought. So, again, we're, that's the story where we're going up to that outdoor amphitheater. Uh, the kids, some kids hear it, some kids don't, but it was, it was very loud. It was very evident. And um, as we're passing in, there's a camp curator was actually staying at the entrance to where the, the amphitheater was, and I asked him, I was like, hey, I've never heard 
a creature like that or an animal like that, and what do you think it is? And she was just kind of stoic and not really saying anything. And I was like, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know what that is. Like, is that a coyote? Is that a bobcat? What is it? And he just, he just was like, yeah, it could be. And I said, what, like Bigfoot, Sasquatch, or something like that? And he goes, yeah, probably. Uh, he said it in a way that was, that was like he had heard it before, and it was just a matter of fact, like, oh, yeah, it's an owl. That's a bird chirping. He said it was very matter of fact. Um, and I came to find out later on that this guy actually had seen, had seen a creature multiple times when he was hunting back in the, back in the woods. And he always just, when he saw the creature, would just turn around and walk the other way. And he never had like a close encounter or aggressive encounter. It was always just, he seen it from a distance and uh, moved on. And he never, he never stopped hunting. He would, he would just alter his hunting patterns a little bit. Because um, I think he was just going for squirrel and quail. So That's a pretty brave man. Yeah, go ahead. That's a pretty brave man to be able to just Accept it for what it is and keep on going. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's, yeah, it's it's weird, and it's when you you hear about all the Sasquatch encounters that that happen, a lot of them happen. It's you know it changes it changes you know devout hunters. It changes the entire life pattern. Some hunters never go out in the woods again, and sometimes it takes them a long time. This guy is just kind of oh yeah, I see one in the distance. You know, he, he never he never indicated that it it completely changes his life, but. You know, I don't. I don't know. He, he's very. He's a very closed off man. So he might have. Something might have happened to him. I just. He just never told me. So. Right. He he wasn't in fear for the. He wasn't in fear for the kids or anything like that. So. You know. I don't. I don't know what to do that. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So there's more to the story. Um, I don't. I, I apologize for rambling on and and going into a lot a lot of, a lot of uh, side notes, but I think it just helps me kind of give you an idea. A full-fledged idea of a story. Yeah, um, I appreciate but, it. You're painting a picture. I I appreciate it, man. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, um, we're at the campfire now, and since the talking or yelling or the main babble or whatever you want to call it was going on, that whole thing lasted the entire time we were walking up to that that campfire, which was probably about a five to 10 minute walk. Um, and it, it stopped as soon as we, everyone got to the, to the campfire. Um, so which was in a coincidence or it was very, you know, specific. Uh, I don't really know what to make of that. Um, so as the kids were sitting in the campfire, we started to sing songs, uh, kids were sharing what had happened through the week, you know, what has happened uh, what, what they felt was appropriate to bring up as far as, you know, what might be helpful and that type of stuff. Um, so just kind of sharing devotionals, as we call it. And um, as we're sitting there, people are going through the stories and we're singing songs. We start to hear footsteps behind us um, in that amphitheater. Um, so it's, a, it's kind of a bowl-shaped area, and there's wooden benches as you go up the hill for about 25, 30 feet from where the campfire is. Um, and then there's woods, thick woods behind that. So deep, deep, somewhat deep in the woods, but just out of the camp, uh, campfire light, we hear these footsteps. They were definitely not uh, quadruped. Definitely not, because there wasn't the, uh, the football run right after another. Very slow, very deliberate. 
um, but it, it, it was likened to someone walking through the woods. Um, and some of the kids who were in the far back part of the amphitheater would move, would move down because they're like, they kind of got scared from that. So, you know, the counselors and whatnot didn't take much, much interest in it and whatnot. They, some, cause it was, you could only really hear it when you were in the back. So I think a lot of, a lot of the people who were in the back just came forward and no one really paid attention to it. Now we did calm down the kids a little bit and like, Hey, don't worry about it. It's, it's just deer. At least that's what we thought it was just to, also to keep the morale there. And, uh, it just felt like it made a semicircle around the camp, never came out of camp world and just walked back up into the woods and was just gone. And that was pretty much for that time period. That was pretty much all that happened. Um, more, more actually happened during that night. We, uh, we ended our campfire session uh, about 9.45, 10 o'clock, I would say. The kids went back down the hill. We let them by flashlight and all that. And we let them back to the cabins. Um, and right before I went to my cabin, because I had a group of, a group of about five boys, um, I was stopped by one of the other counselors and said, hey, did you know we're going to do that, that activity tonight? And when I say that activity, I didn't know what he was talking about. So basically what they had planned is during the middle of the night, they were going to, um, they were going to wake up the kids in the middle of the night, kind of wake them from their mid-sleep and bring them into an activity that basically was um, them waking up and it was like a scavenger hunt type thing, kind of just a, a fun activity. Um, so I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll go, I'll play along with it, you know, whatnot. Um, and I had a co-counselor in my cabin who was actually well aware of it, so he knew what he had to do. I was just kind of there playing along. Um, so the kids get back to the cabin, they brush their teeth and all that. And at this point in time, it's it's later, probably an hour, maybe two hours past. It's near midnight, I would say, if I remember correctly. And um, everyone's in their cabins at this point in time asleep. And the event that would wake them up is my co-counselor and all the other counselors had gone to the mess hall and grabbed pots and pans, ladles and whatnot, and that was going to be like their alarm, alarm signal. Um, so they, they, had, they had done that previously, and they put all the pots and pans and ladles behind the cabin and covered them up with leaves so the kids didn't kind of get an idea of what was going on. And um, um, midnight hits, I, I believe my... Uh, my co-counselor kind of woke me, woke me by shaking me and let me know what was going on. And they were getting ready to do their, their, their banging, you know, based on the, uh, the camp director's signaling. And uh, my younger brother was actually there as a counselor, and he was about two cabins down from us. And he was, uh, he went during the signaling time, he went out of his cabin behind the cabin to grab his pot, his pot and his ladle to start banging. And he says when he was digging, digging through the leaves to grab his pots and pans, um, not far away, and I believe he said 20 to 30 yards away, he heard a really low growl, um, and not like, a, not like a dog, but like he said, if you ever heard an elephant, a bull elephant, uh, they make that low growl, like when they're about to charge. Uh, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, I know exactly um, what you're yeah. yeah, that low, that low, that like deep guttural. It sounds like it's a, it's something down inside of a, a barrel or something like that. He said he heard that, um, and it scared him. 
and he actually it scared him so much that he like you know he he yelled or something like that and actually ran out from behind the cabin and like just started banging his pots and pans early and actually set off everyone else. So everyone else started banging their pots and pans. And uh, he uh, <laughs> well, he woke his cabin up and uh, we ended up having our activity. It lasted for about probably about another hour. Um, it was a kind of a scavenger hunt. You know, the kids would went out and, and did did some did some things. And they, you know, very tired, very upset for being woken up in the middle of the night. But, but you know, it's whatever. And uh, um, we finally get the kids back to the cabin an hour later. They were actually really, really tired. And we decided we'd let the kids know, hey, don't worry about waking up at 7, 8 a.m. We're going to let you guys sleep till, till 9. So there was, no, there was no, real, no real worry with the kids there. Um, so that was, pretty much, that was pretty much what happened there. Um, later on that night, I, I woke up in the middle of the night to uh, relieve myself, and I didn't want to go down to the main shower, shower hall, so I decided to take, take a leak behind the cabin. And uh, so I go behind the cabin, do my business, and I go back inside. And the next part, I'm going to give you a little more geography, and I apologize for doing a tangent, but it'll help. Um, so there's a road that runs straight through the middle of the camp, and the cabins, if you're looking, again, if you're using a peace sign, for example, the road comes right from the middle and goes out. And um, the cabins would be on the right side. And the left side, there's a baseball field, and then there's a mess hall, and then there's a chapel on that left side before you get to the dam. And on the right side of the road, again, cabins, cabins, cabins all the way up um, as you're going up the hill, and there's a, uh, there's a rec hall, recreation hall, and our, our campfire was behind that. Um, so my cabin that I got into after, after going to the bathroom um, is sitting right in front of the road, which is right next to the baseball field. On the other side of the baseball field is that creek, I talked about that runs from the dam. Beyond that, it's kind of a, just a bunch of woods and then goes up the other side of that finger of the, uh, of, the, of the valley. And as I'm getting into bed, I'm sitting there, um, you know, getting myself back into bed as quickly as I can because it's cold that night. Uh, I start hearing ruckus across the, across the creek. I'm like, oh, gosh, what's that? And... It was very distinct on what it was. It was, a, it was a bunch of wild hogs running through the woods. And I was like, oh, man, you know, a coyote or something must have scared them. So I'm listening to it, and I'm hearing these pigs squeal and scream, you know, making their pig noises, running. You know, it's kind of like they're stampeding down the hill. Uh, and I'm just kind of like sitting there and, you know, and wonder what's going on. And it, it, it happens for about 30 seconds to a minute. And then right at the end of them screaming and rustling and running away, I just hear this tremendous roar. Like, uh, it, I can't really give it, give it anything that comes close to it as an explanation. Um, but just this, just this deep guttural roar, almost like a, almost like a T-Rex. And it sounds kind of weird, but almost like a T-Rex from like a Jurassic Park. And that got my attention. I'm like, okay, what's going on? What is this? And it just... This is one loud roar, probably lasted three to five seconds. I hear the pigs keep scurrying off in the distance, and that was it. This is this, this, this guttural roar, and it scared me quite a bit. Um, my brother's cabin actually actually woke up from it, and there are um, two cabins down from me, like I said, 
and they woke up and my brother had to console his kids and say, hey, don't worry about it. Don't, you know, I don't know what that was, but don't worry about it. We're safe. We're calm. Don't worry about it. You're, you know, we're good here. Um, and he, could, he got his kids back to sleep. And no one really talked about it the next day. It was just kind of something that happened. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's, that's my main, main challenge if you have any questions about it. Let me know anything else. Yeah, man. Uh, it definitely sounded like there was some activity there. And when you when you asked the counselor the first time, when you heard the talking, uh, and yeah. you you brought up, you know, what is that Bigfoot or Sasquatch? Uh, were you did you believe at that point in Bigfoot? So, so that's, that's actually interesting. Like our my point, of, my only points of reference for, for Bigfoot Sasquatch were. You know, the classic uh, Patterson Gimlin footage, which everyone knows about. Um, again, this is 2009, so obviously it's been out for 40, whatever that is, 40 plus years. Um, and then, of course, the only other like Bigfoot thing that we knew of at the time was, uh, was Harry and the Hendersons. Right. And there might have been like one other movie. So, you know, it's not those two references, like Harry and the Hendersons, and the, there's another one with uh, some young boy, and he finds a Bigfoot, and it's really friendly and like, takes into the woods. Those are really good examples, but that's that's literally my only point of reference. I didn't I never used the internet to search anything as far as Bigfoot goes. It's just kinda of like folk, folklore and myth. So I didn't you know I didn't I didn't know anything. I didn't know about tree knocking. I didn't know about their their chatter that people call the samurai chatter or their language. Nothing. Just I thought it was all in uh, Pacific Northwest and you know, someone saw one one time, and we haven't seen one since. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my at the time. So, um, like with the uh, the the wild hogs going across the creek, mm-hmm. I I used to work in a state park, and I had a wildlife exhibit that had a couple of hogs in it. Um, when they got hungry or whatever, they would sound pretty scary. You know, they they themselves would. Sound almost demonic to the point where I, I recorded them before to just listen to it and to play it back for my wife and my daughter so they could hear how wild it sounded. So that noise alone of just wild hogs running through the creek, that's scary enough. But to hear that big roar over top of it, mm-hmm. I can imagine how scared those kids must have been. Oh, yeah. For sure. And the roar, like I was saying, the roar is, is absolutely way dis- more distinguishable than, than the pigs. It wasn't, you know, some, you know, someone might have asked me, you know, is, was that, do you think that was like a male pig with a little more base to it? No, it was, it was definitely, like, it, it sounded like the T-Rex from, from Jurassic Park were like yelling without the, without that kind of like that octave wave there, but it was just, it was just this, it just sounded like a big burly man mm. trying to mimic a dinosaur. It's the best way I can describe it. That's, that's spooky, man. And I don't. I, I I guess it's probably best that you didn't get to put a you know put your eyes on whatever it was because that might have made it that much more real for you at the time too. For sure. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I don't. You know, I think that would have changed my opinion on even going to that camp. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and I guess that for, for the for the listeners, if they if, uh, if they're thinking about this, the camp director who stays there. Um, 365 days of the year. He, you know, like I said, he said he's seen it multiple times, but I had told him this story after it happened the next day. Okay, you know, what is it? I need to let you know, like, are the kids supposed to be scared? Or like, what? He goes, 
I don't I don't think there's any any need to fear. So it tells me that I'm just I'm, I guess assuming that there's a lot more going on with this guy and these uh, these creatures at least that they are out there than he led on to, for me to believe. Because if he he had no fear of like hey you know are they going to come in and harass us or you know do something with the kids he had, he had absolutely no fear of that. Yeah, he must have been pretty comfortable, um, and that could only be from a lot of exposure, I would imagine. It seems like he, uh, from from what it sounds like, he's uh, he's not giving you a full story. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. And there's uh, so I actually, I actually have some side notes on on some things here. If you want me to get into them, you don't. That's that's okay. Yeah, um, go for it. So. I was I was kind of recalling what we were, what I talked about and share with Wes and going through this and I in my memory I actually this isn't the first time I had heard this this chatter or talk um, there was actually one other incident that it was very similar similar noise very similar sound um, and that was back in 1998 um, my father and uh, my two brothers went on a fishing trip up to uh, Mark Twain Lake, which is much more north of this, where this location is. Um, this location, Mark Twain Lake, is, is north, uh, it's northwest of St. Louis. So it, it's probably a good 80 to 100 miles from the, uh, the camp that I talked about um, Mark Twain is. And uh, why, why, why I believe this is significant is uh, we are fishing off of a, an outlet of of Mark Twain Lake called Clarence Canyon Dam and Clarence Canyon uh, um, Wildlife Refuge Area. And we woke up early one morning, uh, so it was about, at that time, it wasn't too early, but it was about 7 a.m. And we were going towards this dam, and uh, this dam pulled back a, a water reservoir. It's not really a lake, it's more just floodland. Pulled back the floodland. And if you go past the dam, there's a very steep grade, about a 45-degree grade hill. And then on top of that hill, it's just woodland and, and prairie on top of there. And we were walking, and we got to, the, we got to that dam. You could actually walk over. And I started hearing this noise that I thought was coming from, like, actually on the other side of the dam. But I, I later, like, trajectory, it was actually, because there was an echo, it was actually coming up on the hill. And the sound it made, it was like a, it sounded like a man who had dove in the water and just, you know, could barely hold his breath and came up and was gasping for air. Um, it was kind of like that, yeah, yeah, that sound. And I, I didn't know what it was. I asked my dad, I remember as a young kid, I asked my dad, I was like, okay, what is this, what is going on here? And I was like, is someone drowning? Because like, I, I asked him, I was like, hey, do we need to call the police? Like, what's going on? Is someone drowning? And he goes, no, there's no one here. There's no one on this side of the dam. There's no one down the stream from, from where this is. They know what's going on. But amidst that, like I said, it sounded like a man coming up for your drowning. There was also a little bit of a, a little bit of di- uh, dialect or whatnot in there. Um, it, 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 you know, like I said, it's, it sounds like a man coming up from there. <laughs> but there was also kind of like that, the vocalization, you know, blah, 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 that, that, that babble that you hear. And that, only, that, was only, that was very subtle, but that was very significant. And um, we never saw anything. We never heard anything other than the probably five to, I don't know, between five and 15 minutes 
of that going on, and we never went investigate or anything like that. And it was, it was 7 8 in the morning, so it was, it was broad daylight at that time, and never made much of it, just kind of like that was weird. Okay, not a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, that seems to be a common reaction, too. You know, people hear things or even see things that just blow their mind, and then they roll over and go back to bed. You know, and I don't know if it's, it's our brain that's just like, okay, it's just too much, or if, mm-hmm. you know, there's something to that that, I don't know, it just seems like it turns off our, it kind of mutes our senses. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but that would that would be a very terrifying sound to hear, especially out there on a lake, you know, and it would probably invoke that panic. How can I help this person respond? Oh yeah. And uh, maybe that's the whole point. Maybe maybe something out there wants you to come investigate, and, and maybe it's a good thing you didn't. Yeah, for sure. And 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 it wasn't. We weren't the only ones at this at this uh, this recreational area. Um, there's a there's a parking lot right before this dam, and it's a very very good as far as the area goes. It's a very good fishing spot. So there's a lot of people who get there early, like trout fishing. They get there, you know, a crack of seven when the alarm. Well, there's no alarm, but usually at complexes here in Missouri, there's an alarm that goes off at seven a.m. You can start fishing. There have probably been fifteen to twenty cars in the in the parking lot, and there's people already making their way towards that area. So it wasn't it wasn't like it was rural and there was no one around. There was you know there's probably 20 people there. Yeah. And nobody else brought it up or, or even mentioned it? No, it's, it's, it's like we were the only ones who heard it. Yeah. And uh, like I said, it was, it was right there at that dam. The dam isn't very big. It's, a, it's probably 25 feet across. Um, it just, like I said, just holds back kind of like this, this floodplain area overflow for, for Mark Twain Lake. So it's, it, uh, you walk across it, you can't drive across it. It's, uh, it's uh, just a, just kind of a, a shut-in area. Yeah. So, um, I've got some other minor encounters. I don't, I don't have to bring them up. You don't want to. They're just, they're very, very brief. You know, that, that no seeing class B type of activity. Um, yeah. It's up to you if you want me to bring it up or not. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Talk, talk about anything that you got, and uh, you know, because. The, the most outrageous experience I had out there was still, you know, like a Class B experience. You know, I'd, I've never seen a Sasquatch or a track or anything like that. Um, I just I had some kind of – there was some kind of interaction with something out there, but I couldn't put eyes on it. But it, all the signs and uh, activity pointed to, to Sasquatch for me, you know. and um, So, yeah, there's, there's nothing off limits. There's nothing that I think – that you shouldn't talk about if you want to go for it, man. Sure, sure. And then, and that's and that's the funny thing about Sasquatch encounters. You you go online, and unless you, I think some people, unless you've seen one, that you know, a face to face encounter, close enough to where you can almost shake its hand. I think some people almost disqualify you from from this. And as I learned, especially with Sasquatch Chronicles and, and other ones, you know, these these people's uh, encounters. Uh, you know, no sight are actually sometimes worse than uh, physical in-your-face encounters. Yeah, and I don't think I don't. I never disqualify anyone from 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 what they've heard, especially if you spend any time in the woods and you know something's abnormal. That's 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 definitely one of those like, hey, you know, you, your point's just as valid as as my class B encounter type thing. 
Exactly. Yeah, somebody that spent, you know, years of time in total outside in the woods to to have an encounter with something they can't explain is just as much of a qualifier as uh, somebody driving down the road who never leaves, you know, the suburbs and just lucks into one passing in front of their car. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, it's yeah, just for sure. People. For sure. Yeah, yeah so um, I'll, I'll go on to, like, the next one in chronological order. Okay. Um, this one, um, this, um, you know, I believe activity happened in uh, Colorado in 2012, uh, July of 2012. So I'll just make this one kind of brief. We're in, uh, up on the side of um, Mount Elbert, Colorado. Um, I was with, with myself my friend David and his father, uh, and we had just spent a week going from Yellowstone to Dinosaur National Monument to uh, to uh, Grand Teton National Park. So we made an entire entire week, um, two weeks of this trip. Uh, my brother and my dad had been there, but they had, they had departed about midweek to do their own thing, uh, go back home and whatnot for work. And uh, this was our last stop. Um, we wanted to climb Mount Elbert before we went home. So we get out to Mount Elbert after driving all day. Uh, pitch black out there at nighttime. Um, I want to say 10, 11 o'clock at night. Um, so we're driving up the side of the mountain to where we, we know where the trailhead is. But we knew that we weren't going to sleep in our car on the trailhead. So we decided to take uh, up residence in a camping spot. And... Um, uh, if anyone knows the area, there's a, there's a there's like the only camping, you know, rentable camping area is it's called Half Moon Campsite, and so we pulled in there, and even with our brights on, we could barely find a park uh, a camping spot. We were one of only two, two people on in that camping area. We got out of our truck, put our hand, headlights on, set up our tent as quickly as we could, throw our sleeping bags in there. And then went to sleep because we were tired from, from driving. So we, uh, we're sleeping now. It's probably, I said, you know, 11, 10, 11 o'clock at night. We've probably been sleeping an hour, maybe two, uh, around midnight, one o'clock. We uh, were sleeping in there, and I actually woke up to um, my friend's dad, father, snoring really loud. And, uh, you know, we, my friend woke up as well and tried to, tried to wake his dad because it was, it was, it was uh, uncomfortable for us to try to sleep with that, that noise. <laughs> and uh, he, he finally goes back to sleep, and he's still kind of doing it. So I'm, I'm trying to, I'm, um, I'm uneasy with trying to go back to sleep, and I really, really want to get some sleep so we can climb this mountain the next day. And um, my friend David's still awake. We're, we're sitting there, and then, you know, from our camp spot, about 20 yards away, there's a, there's a creek. Uh, a mountain stream that runs down the side of the mountain. And on the side of the stream, uh, there's the, the rest of the slope that goes up the mountain, you know, with, in, a, in a wooded area. And I start to hear wood knocks um, coming from that area about 20 or 30 yards away. Uh, it was very loud and very, uh, very annoying to us because it sounded like someone using a wooden baseball bat and trying to smack a tree as hard as they could. Uh, but the funny thing is it was only two knocks, two knocks, one right after another. And then there was a pause of about 10, uh, about five to 10 seconds. And then it kept up again. Just not a knock, a knock, 
a pause, a knock, a knock. So that was, that kept repeating itself for oh gosh, five to five to ten minutes. No, sorry, about twenty minutes because it, it felt like it never ended. And um, you know, I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay, these 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 people who are a campsite down from us, it's the middle of the night. They they've got to stop what they're doing. This is this is an unreasonable one. You know, be courteous to other people who are thinking. Me and David were talking amongst ourselves, and we're like, hey, you know, we need to go tell these people to stop. Uh, this is this is ridiculous. They shouldn't do it. Like I said, it was it was unbearable how loud it was. Um, it sounded like it was right outside our tent, but you know, we knew it was across the across the way there. So we get out of our, our zip open our tent and look, and there's no lights on over at their campfire. Everyone's asleep. You know, they're in a camper, so there's no one out. And we're like, my gosh, what is that? What is that noise? That's that's not those people, and who is it? It's definitely not someone out on the side of a mountain doing it at one o'clock in the morning. That makes no logical sense. We couldn't we couldn't put our finger on it, and um, my friend's father, who eventually woke up to it, was like, "Hey, cut it out, you guys!" And we're like, "We're not doing this." And the people across the the you know, way from us aren't doing it. And he goes, "Well, what is that? Is that some sort of like deer or elk in rut?" And he's you know, he's scraping his antlers on the on the tree. We're like, no, that doesn't make any sense because it would be continuous. So we just kind of tell like, hey, that's annoying. You know, we've got a tree branch going in the wind, but it was a calm, clear night, so there wasn't any any wind. And uh, eventually, you know, I said after 20 minutes, it, it went away, and no more activity the rest of the night. And we, we got our sleep. We got about four or five hours of sleep and continued on like nothing happened. Yeah, and what what do you think those knocks mean? Because it's clearly some kind of signal or communication sure. or alert. For sure. Um, I, I I was listening on Wednesday show and somebody brought up the you know the idea that maybe it was a count, you know, like sure. uh, two two knocks mean two people are around. But if it's mm-hmm. that repetitive, you know, and it's knock knock, and there's obviously more than two of you guys around. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wonder what they're trying to what they're trying to signal. I don't I don't I don't know. I mean no one knows I don't think anyone can say they know for sure what it is. Right. And I mean you hear this be cautious on doing it because you don't know what it means. There's no one I mean there's no one that I know who sat down with a soft question and says, Hey, what does it mean? <laughs> so, yeah. Um yeah, and I, I heard that, that same episode you're talking about and I thought that was an interesting interesting take that you know, this this uh this encounter from this gentleman who was on Wesley's show says that uh, there was a group of people who had left the camp and two of them had left and, you know, there was a certain, certain pile of it was five hits or whatnot. So they, you know, two of them left and there was two less knocks than there were before. And then when we returned to the camp, those two knocks were added back on. So it went back up to five. Uh, very interesting take. Um, I don't know quite where I fall as far as my opinion of that. Right. Uh, I've also heard it's, it's, uh, you know, I've heard another take where it's it's them hunting, and it's them you know trying to coerce deer, elk, whatever their prey is, into a certain area. Um, you know, try to try to bottleneck them to a certain area. I've heard that take before. I've heard it's you know it's a group a group trying to communicate with one another in case one's lost or whatnot, kind of saying I'm over here, come find me, without actually saying it or vocalizing it. Yeah, uh, I don't really know. I, I don't. I don't have an opinion that's uh, that's. I don't. 
my mind made up on, on anything yet. Uh, I like the counting idea. I, I like to believe these animals are uh, creatures, animals, whatever you want to call them, are intelligent enough to, to do that. Uh, the two wood knots might have been two camps. Um, right. I don't, you know, I don't think, I don't think they, you know, I don't think, I don't think they were, they were viewing this long enough to say, hey, three people went in that camp and three people went to the camper. I think yeah. it might have just been this, this two thing, there's two, two threats over here. So don't come this way any further. Right. Yeah, it could be. Uh, it could be. I, initially, I always just thought until that guy introduced the the whole theory of counting, I just thought it was some kind of locator. You know, two knocks might mean I'm over here, or come this way, or something like that. But like you said, we don't know. Nobody knows. It's just fun no. to talk. About. Oh, there's there's one other very important detail I think <laughs> I left out uh, during the wood knocks. I said the reason why there was a there was a, a stop, you know, there was a cadence of two knocks and a stop. As we listened closely, you could hear further away from that two knocks in reply or uh, to mimic that. Okay. Um, so that's yeah. that's why that, that's what leads me more to like, hey, you know, there's two people, there's two groups of threats, one two. Um, that's what kind of makes me believe that. Right. Um, well, that makes sense. So. Yeah, that's that's what I believe. You know, and it's hard to tell how far back that that message is getting relayed. You know, mm-hmm. um, back in the day on on mountain ridges, a group of people would light a fire, and the person on the next ridge would see that, and that would light their fire, and then that that signal, you know, of lighting that torch or whatever, would travel across mountains, and it could go, you know, dozens of miles. Um, For sure. To get a to get a signal within just a couple of minutes to somebody on the other end. So maybe they're doing the same kind of technique. You know, maybe it's a just an old old trick they got. Maybe. I like that. You, you like to the, that scene in the Lord of the Rings movie. Have you seen those? Where they, you know, yeah. talking about where they light, they light the fire and then it travels to the next mountain peak and eventually yeah. travels, you know, 200 miles. Yeah. I, yeah. I see what that's, you're saying, man. Yeah, and it's, and it's not an original idea. You know, that, that's how it really was. Um, so maybe they, they got their own method. They can't light a fire maybe, so they, <laughs> but they can hit a tree really loud. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's good. If, if you think about it, it's a good way to like communicate because, you know, if these things are this intelligent and, you know, have the same near, if you believe they have the same reasoning capacity or close to the same reasoning capacity that we do, uh, if you vocalize it's 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 an abnormal, it's a very distinct sound that someone could pick up. But if you do this wood knock, you know you don't know if it's a tree blowing in the wood. You don't you don't know if it's a you know another animal, um, you know playing with with foliage. So yeah, I I, I think this I think there's the wood knocks overall. Are, it's it's some form. It's it's obviously intelligence there. It's not just them being being crazy wild beasts and just hitting hitting things because they're angry. Right. Um, that's my opinion. Yeah, I I tend to agree with you there, man. What was there was there any other activity or encounter that you've had? Uh yes, there's, there's one more and I I I brought this one up on the rest of the show and I didn't it's one of those things where it's like I don't want to say this is one of the things where you can disqualify anything, but there's um 
this, acti- this, this, this supposed activity was more just a feeling, but there was one, after talking to some of my friends about it, there was one specific clue to this that it leads me to believe that this was not you know, just my mind playing tricks on me. So I'll, I'll briefly talk about this one, just like the last one. Uh, this one was also in July, uh, but in 2015, and also in Colorado. Uh, and the reason why it's July is because that's about the time of year when myself and my friends like to go, go on camping trips and hiking trips. And this one was near Great Sand Dunes National Park in Colorado. So that's kind of south-central Colorado, uh, on the side of Blanca Peak, which is also a 14er, just like Elbert is. Um, and we were about a quarter of the way up towards the peak, still in the, uh, still in the, the wood line. Uh, we found an area that um, actually four-wheel, four-wheel trucks and uh, ATVs, um, a, a road that they used to get up there. And there was an area that was kind of like a, it was kind of looked like a driveway where people parked and, and camped. So we, we used that, and it was a, kind of like a semicircle, like a roundabout. And we we put up our tents and uh, emus, which are which are um, hammock hammocks, on the on the perimeter of this this uh, this roundabout, if you will, uh, which there was lined with trees. And the night that we were there, um, again, very clear night, was kind of it tends to be um, not really much going on as far as animal activity and whatnot. Very clear. The moon was really bright that night, so like you could actually see quite a way. And you actually didn't need a, you know, once your eyes adjusted, you wouldn't actually need a flashlight to see to get to make your way about. Um, uh, what happened was I I woke up in the middle of the night. I was sleeping in a hammock. Uh, I got up to relieve myself. Um, and kind of went off the edge of that, that semicircle, and I was about to get back in my tent, and I just had this feeling that I was being watched. Um, and the best way I can, you know, how do you know when you're being watched? Some people would say, um, it's, I would say, the way you know you're being watched is if you ever done anything embarrassing or whatnot in public, um, and you know people are looking at you. That's that's how it felt. And the reason why it was so significant is because um, one of my other friends who was with me was in a tent, and he woke up because he felt uneasy because for the specific reason of he also felt like someone was watching us. And again, normally I would have just discredited the whole thing, but one thing that happened that he heard that I also vaguely heard was, I cannot, I, I don't know what this means or you know, what you can say to this. I don't believe this is in my head because he also heard it, was this very low rumble, almost like a truck, like a four-wheel truck or like a backhoe or something would be off in the distance. Um, but it actually sounded more like there's, a, there's a, an instrument that the Australian Aborigine people use. It's called a dungaree do or something like that. I, I might be butchering right now. I apologize. Didgeridoo. do. Okay, yeah. so you know how uh, people will know how that sounds since they hear it's the most probably the most distinguishable instrument on the face of the planet. It's yeah, it's got sure. this low wow 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 of that sound. Um, and I heard something that sounded like someone playing one of those, but very very faint. It was just that it was this it had this cadence to it. You know, it was, it was like someone you know if you put your hand up against your mouth, 
and tried to make like a, a motorboat sound or something like that. That's what it sounded like. And it was, it was just very low, very subtle. Uh, like I said, it was like a, like a truck running off, uh, going off in the distance. You can hear that, that, that engine revving or rumbling. But it was very, uh, very, there wasn't much in the way of the frequency of it. It wasn't high and low. It was just kind of even. But there was, there was a little bit of time, times, you know, a split second where it sounded like someone was taking a breath. So, that noise. So, again, I don't know what to make of that. I don't know if I can say that Sasquatch. Uh, I have heard one encounter where someone has heard, heard a very similar uh, sound. Uh, this, this person was actually, I believe, on Wes's show. It might have been another one. Um, and when this person had heard this sound, which I just described, he, he, he gave the, the example of that instrument, uh, the, uh, the Aborigine instrument. Yeah. Um, and he said at that time he was out, you know, and I'm paraphrasing here, uh, I can't really point to the exact episode of what it was, but he said he was walking out in the woods with his son, and his son fell down uh, and kind of like he had been hit with an invisible force uh, and kind of locked up and was in shock. And he, you know, as this guy was consoling his son, he heard that noise going on. So it begs the question, well, what is that and what does that mean? And he, he believes, this person believes that it was um, infrasound yeah. uh, and it was directed specifically at his son and he was either outside of its pitch range or his ears had adapted in such a way you know, that, you know, at, the, at the age to where he doesn't hear the same sounds and it didn't affect him. And it could have been, you know, if this was a Sasquatch, it could have been that this thing was trying to direct its force towards the person who's in the tent rather than at me. And I was just hearing it because I was outside of that frequency range. Yeah, that's exactly what that whole thing sounds like. That giving you the feeling of unease. Um, it, you know, infrasound can do a lot of things. It can make you lose your, you know, lose your bowels there. <laughs> you know, it can, mm-hmm. or it can make you just feel nervous or make you freeze with fear. And that's, well, I'm, I'm sure you're well aware of this kind of stuff. You know, like with tigers, they use infrasound when they hunt, and it makes their prey freeze. Um, it's scary to think that a Sasquatch would use infrasound on a person because what is their intent beyond that? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that's what, it, that's what it sounds like to me. Yeah. I see this example just because it's, you know, it's, I can't discredit it because my mind still plays, when I go back and think of all these events, my mind still selects that and is significant. And, you know, I've been, I, I've camped on my entire life. So give you a backstory. I mean, I've camped my entire life. Um, yeah. I lived in a rural, uh, rural area. Um, I spent literally after school and during the summer times, I would spend the majority of my time either riding my bike as a kid or in the woods building forts and whatnot. So I've heard every single animal that was available in Missouri that you can think of. Classic bobcat, which can make some pretty weird sounds. Uh, coyotes, which can also make some strange sounds, deer, squirrels, um, no elk, but the typical mammals of, of, of North America. Uh, I've heard bear before. Um, I've heard elk before, but the sound I heard in 2009 and back in 1990, 19, 1998, um, and even, uh, I guess, this, the more recent one in 2015, 
um, there's nothing that I can liken to it other than Sasquatch activities that, that people account for and have recorded. Well, you know, I, I believe you 100%. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty outdoorsy myself, and I've only I've heard a couple things that there is no other explanation for. Um, it's, it'll be easy for people to say, oh, he's just misidentified something, but I believe when you say that, you know, you can identify what, what animals sound like. Anybody that spends time outside long enough can do that. Um, so, yeah, man, I, I think that you've been around. You, you've had a lot of close calls is what I think. I think that you have been uh, sharing an area with uh, with Sasquatch from the sounds of it several times. And, and just a side note, just a, I don't know why I have to ask this, but you said you were in Eno Hammocks. Inu, yeah. yeah. So, Inu, Inu is the brand. And they might be like, what they actually call but Inu is the brand like Nike or, yeah. or Reebok or whatnot. Yeah, uh, hammock camping. I think they're, they're hammocks. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I love hammock camping. You know, and I got a grand trunk, but uh, I, I've been buying some knockoff no-name hammocks for like 30 bucks that have a bug net attached to it, and I love them just as much. You know, I just, I love hammock camping, and I know that has nothing to do with what we're talking about here, but I just I, I perk up every time I hear somebody say they were in a hammock, <laughs> you know. And you said you had to get up and relieve yourself because I don't know oh, what it is totally. about a hammock. You have to get up at least once or twice in the night because it just mm-hmm. does something to you. <laughs> That's very true. And these things, if, if anyone's ever used these, these things are not easy to get out. They're not just you know you don't just right. spring out like to swing. You're wrapped up like a cocoon, and you have to reach up and pry the sides off. And then once you do that, you have to figure out how to you know, swing your legs out or your upper body out. And then once you do that, it's like you kind of, no matter what, you're going to spill out. So yep. that's, uh, <laughs> that's the other thing about them, too. Yeah, but they're comfortable, you know. For sure. For sure. Um, so I've got a question for you, um, if you don't mind. Um, so some people want to listen to this and like, oh, my gosh, you know, you know, he said he's had these you know, three, four encounters, they believe, and, you know, there's people who spend, you know, 25, 30 years out in the woods and never see one of these, and they're right in the thick of quote-unquote Sasquatch country. Um, and it's like, why, you know, why am I special or, you know, unlucky? Why, why do you think there are some people that are, I don't mean attracted to these, or they're more sensitive to this, or at least it seems they're sensitive to this? Well, I, I think it comes down to the person. Uh, I think just like there's some people that, are sensitive to paranormal activity, um, and sometimes they seem to be the same same people have uh, multiple types of experiences. Um, I've heard theories that it involves your blood type, um, or it involves you know what kind of diet you had when you were younger, or maybe how how your parents raised you. Even uh, did they teach you to be open minded, or did they just not talk about it at all, and you kind of just felt closer to you know to nature and stuff i i think it's a lot to do with personality type or um the blood type thing that interests me so much um people even talk about aliens uh there's a a link to aliens and blood types um Mm -hmm. like uh, type o blood or o o negative o positive blood um something about that so i'm not i'm not real big into uh I, i don't know a lot about medical stuff but 
it's interesting to to hear the numbers. You know, there's so many percent of people have this shared traits, and Mm -hmm. they're they're the experiencers. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey, everybody. I'm very excited to announce that I now have a website for the podcast. It's thebumppodcast.com. Pretty simple. It has links to all the episodes, cover art for each show, and also links to pick up merch and to my sponsors and more. Um, I put a section in there for submissions. So if you have some art that you want to send in or some photos that uh, go along with your stories or stories that you've heard, uh, or even some, if you want to write some short stories yourself and send them in, uh, they might make it to the website. I got a place for it. Uh, I'm doing it all by myself, and I'm not very tech-savvy, so just bear with me as everything grows. But I want to thank you guys and uh, just tell you I love you, and thank you very very much for the support. And I just wanted to take a minute to uh, mention my new sponsor, Hemp Bombs, the CBD company. If you're looking for a fun and easy way to boost your overall wellness and increase positivity, you got to try the CBD gummies. They offer a number of benefits that can improve your outlook and make every day smoother. Uh, For me, I love the benefits it gives me of a peaceful night's sleep and the arthritis relief. Um, I I just basically quit taking ibuprofen altogether because I get everything I need out of the CBD gummies. Uh, It's it's totally changed my life. I've been taking them for over a year now. And I also wanted to point out that I don't know if you've tried them in the past, but Starting this summer, they revamped their gummies, their oils, and a few other products to now have more, up to double the amount of CBD per product without increasing the price. So instead of getting five gummies, now you get like nine in a pack. It's a total money saver. Uh, It also means by that that they have the best price per milligram of any CBD in the industry. And they're the only CBD company that manages, manages their entire supply chain from feed, uh, from seed, sorry, from seed to sale. So they, they're they over it all. They do send out their products to a third-party lab for testing to validate the potency of all their products. And uh, they they make those test results very easily available to the public. Um, they're located in over 25,000 stores nationwide, 
But if you go to hempbombs.com and use my promo code BUMP20, you can save 20% on any purchase site-wide, big or small. They have a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's absolutely nothing to lose. And they have a huge product assortment to help the customer to find out what product works best for them. Um, Like I said, I use the gummies, but they also just came out with a pet line, um, oils and uh, pet treats for for your dogs. They also have uh, lollipops. They have lip balms. They uh, they have lotions. You know, so you can you know topical relief lotions. They have stuff for pain. They have heat treatments, ice treatments, bath bombs. They have everything you can think of. Just go check out the website at hempbombs.com and use promo code bump twenty and get yours today and try it out. Well, if you want to, if you want to hear something really interesting, if you want to go on the "Quote unquote woo side of this." Yes. Um, when I was, <laughs> you do. <laughs> uh, so, if you want to hear something really weird, when I was, oh gosh, I was young. So this was five, six, or seven. I don't remember exactly when. Um, I'm gonna say I was about six years old. Um, I was fishing with my dad and my two brothers, and I. Uh, was with another another group of people from our church, and we were fishing at this creek that we like to frequent. And um, this area of this creek, there's a uh, a thing called a slab. So people have no idea what a, a creek slab is. It's basically you got your creek, your classic you know, creek running, and then you've got this concrete slab or roadway that goes over the creek. It's not a bridge and it's not a dam. It's just a it's a slab that goes over it, and usually the slab will have, the slab uh, roadway will have irrigation or piping underneath it. And then when it, when it was flooding, it actually goes, the water actually specifically in the design of it flows over the slab. So any given time, there could be water overflowing on it. Uh, and then, of course, the uh, you know, Department of Motor Vehicles or conservationists will know when it's passable. So it might be, hey, you know, if there's two inches of water over the slab, um, you know, it's unpassable, or if it's three feet, obviously it's unpassable. But it might be if there's, a, you know, if there's an inch over, it's passable. You know, I, I don't know what it used to determine the, the, the closing and opening of that. Um, so, we're, again, we're at this creek, the real area of the slab. Um, it had just flooded about a week before, so we're still dealing with the, uh, the aftermath of the flood. Um, and there was probably five or six inches overflowing on the slab deep. So the water is coming in pretty pretty hot. It's it's overflowing. It's got a it's got a speed to it. So uh, if you were to try to walk across that slab, even a grown man would have a very hard time um, crossing without you know needing a rope or something like that. Um, and it was again it was just barely passable by whoever's standards. Uh, and I'm sitting there at six years old fishing right next to the edge of the uh, edge of the slab where the water is meeting um, the bank. And a car comes by, and I guess the car thought it, you know, he could pass it, and but he needed some speed to get across. So, um, you know, this guy comes coming in hot, flying across there. And my my dad and the the other person, group people were there, was like, hey, watch out! There's someone coming. And they were so close to me that they almost hit me. And 
I, as a little six-year-old kid, you know, I don't know what to do when I see something coming in at me at, you know, 40, 50 miles an hour. Uh, so I fell forward. I fell forward into the water, the Russian floodwaters, and I was actually taken, and the irrigation tunnels that are underneath, which are probably from the creek bank to the bottom of that slab, um, those, those tubes, it's probably uh, 18 inches to two feet. And my little body was swept underneath the slab, uh, and I, I immediately went underneath the water. Uh, I remember coming to underneath the slab and seeing the bottom of the slab, uh, and I hit my head on the, on the slab, and then I passed out, and apparently I shot out the other side with a cannon. And um, apparently my body was, was floating in the floodwaters, and my dad saw me and dove in and grabbed me and saved me. And brought me up on the riverbank or the creek bank and resuscitated me. I don't know if I needed um, CPR. I, I don't remember that fact. Um, I, you know, I, don't, I don't know what, you know. I passed, I, I know it was out. I was unconscious. So I don't know how, how deep into unconsciousness I went into. But um, yeah, I was, I was resuscitated by my father and he saved my life. And, you know, if we're getting into the woo side, maybe, it's, maybe if these things are. Supernatural or something like that. They say such a supernatural. Maybe they're tr- attracted to people who have near death experiences. I, I don't know, but I'll just mention just you know <laughs> as an yeah. interesting case if you want to go that, that route. Yeah, that's very interesting. And I'd like to know what shot you out the other side. You know, was it just the force of water or the divine intervention or what? You know, and mm-hmm. yet you know you could be right. Uh, one. Maybe you were exposed at an early age to something uh, on that spiritual level that mm-hmm. awakened you to, to to sense more than what most do. And uh, I grew up in a very conservative Christian Christian home uh, right. to the point where you know we went to church every Sunday, said our prayers at every meal, um, you know never never cursed, uh, was you know were, were disciplined for. We're talking back to our parents, that type of stuff. Uh, we didn't. We weren't even allowed to watch certain movies because, you know, if my parents saw any hint of, uh, you know, foul language or, or um, you know, stuff that's that's on that spiritual, demonic, whatever level, they wouldn't allow us to see it. So, I wasn't allow, allowed to view anything like that until I was out of the house, which was 20, 19, 20 years old. Right. Yeah, man. I I think. Uh... I think you you could be right. You know, you're a, more of a spiritual person, and maybe that's what helps you to to feel and see and sense that whole side of things. Maybe what what I hate to steal questions from Wes, but what do you think that's what she is? Do you think it's do you think it's a spiritual creature, or do you think it's something you know physical? You know, I he asked me this question. And this was I talked to him back in February about this and which is a very good thing to do is to always, you know, confirm or question your beliefs and see if, you know, they they pair with reality or if they pair with, you know, what what, what can be true. Um, and when I was on the show I said that I believe that they were um, uh, a primate that were an offshoot from some gigantopithecus Type thing, you know, more of a bipedal primate. Do not believe that they're, did not believe, I should say, that there are any any type of humans. Uh, I personally 
had some very strong objections to uh, evolution. Um, right. Still do. Um, I, I see a lot of flaws in, in some people, but you know, I'm not going to go into that. Um, I don't believe it's that um, now, today, if I answer this question, um, I'm even more in the, in the pool of, I don't know, I can't really say. <laughs> um, yep. I think that, I think that, I don't believe that they're so supernatural that, you know, that they're, they're spirits that can take form, physical form and whatnot. Um, I, I actually like to go into the idea of um, what I can conclude about them based on their attributes. So, based on all the accounts I've heard and whatnot, we know that they're a humanoid shape. And I don't mean it's a man. I'm talking about humanoid shape. They have, you know, apendicular skeleton. They have a central axial skeleton with a rib cage, you know, that goes up to a spine with a skull. Uh, and they have appendages that allow them to be upright. So let, uh, their, their legs and their forearms and, and whatnot. Um, interesting notes about them as well is they leave physical evidence. So that's what leads me not to be, you know, believe that they're spiritual. Um, we know that they reproduce because we've seen, we've seen offspring or juveniles. We know that they have to consume substance because they kill deer. They kill other animals. They eat apples, candy bars, and whatnot. So they have to rely on some sort of substance. substance. Um, another couple of interesting things. So I don't know if anyone's ever gone on this, but um, a lot of people think that they're only bipedal, but they're actually well, they're bipedal and they're quadrupeds. Mm-hmm. Um, at least most are. I am not, I'm not saying there's not offshoots that uh, you have adapted to differently, like some you know southern. So the United States might look a little different compared to like the Northeast or the Northwest or Central, but for the most part, they are bipedal, but they're also quadrupeds. Um, and one one very evident uh, uh, physical example of that is, have you ever noticed, I mean, I'm sure it's the most obvious thing, but have you ever noticed how their arms are disproportionately long compared to their legs? Um, yeah. We give an our, our skeletal example, for example. Well, our arms only at most come down to you know, mid-thigh. Some people might be you know, of a little different uh, creation and their, their arms might go nearly to their knees. But have you ever noticed that, that, that their arms are more disproportionately longer? Oh, absolutely. It's where they could just, it seems like they could just barely lean forward and their knuckles will be on the mm-hmm. ground. For sure. So... I, and I, I believe that, 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 that they, again, they, are, they are quadrupeds primarily, um, but also not primarily because I've heard people say that when they run away on all fours, they're faster on all fours, but they actually have to lift their chin almost as if they're looking straight up above them to see where they're going. Um, and that actually, so if we're using the humanoid skeleton as an example, that actually makes a lot of sense why people say they have no neck. And the reason why that is because your trapezoid muscles, which connect to the back of your skull in the occipital process. So if you reach at the back of your head, you feel that little knot back there. That's the occipital process. They connect up there and they run down all the way to mid to mid mid spine, you know, in your, in your lumbar spine. And of course, they go out towards your lap, which connects to your shoulder. So the reason why I'm bringing this up is the reason why there's, there's no neck is because their trapezoid and their their FCM muscle, which is on the side of the neck, the muscle. Um, and their deltoids are so massive 
that it actually overtakes what would be the typical, um, you know, neck in your cervical spine area. So if you and if you shrug your shoulders like emotion, like I don't care, you know, I don't know, I don't know what you're talking about. It makes a lot of sense if they're on all fours and their arms are a bit distortion longer, and all they have to do is hip hinge at the hip. They can actually draw more power by using their arms, and that motion, that downward motion, actually draws makes their uh, makes their activates their deltoids and their uh, their triceps. And if you ever seen someone, you know, a bodybuilder or whatnot who likes to really work out their triceps, it looks like they have no neck. They look right. like they're just you know, they have these, these big arches on the side of their shoulders that connect to the side of their head. So if you actually were able to work out your your shoulders like that, and especially if you're on a quadruped and you're doing that shrugging motion and your head's looking up, you basically look like you have no neck. It looks like you're, you're just a torso with a head on. Yeah. I know that's a... <laughs> it doesn't really answer your question, but it's, I think it's an important note that I don't think anyone's ever gone over. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I've never heard anybody describe it like that, but that makes total sense to me. Um, yeah, of, of course, if they're using the, their upper body like another set of legs, they would be swole, man. <laughs> They'd be absolutely huge up there, and that would that would give the no neck appearance. Yeah, I think I think you're right on, right on. To answer the question, what I, again, I don't really know if I can answer what I think they are. Um, they're definitely human in shape. They're definitely physical because they leave physical traits. They, they defecate. They urinate. There's been people who, you know, have physical evidence of that, obviously. So we know that they have to rely on substance. Um, they kill. They reproduce. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't, and one thing that's interesting, it's <laughs> five note and whatnot, but I don't know. Has anyone ever seen a Sasquatch give birth? <laughs> well, I, you know I don't. I mean? Yeah, I've never heard anybody say they witnessed the birth, but I did have someone on that says that they were let out, I guess, and were presented with a baby. Sasquatch that uh, yeah. that some like uh, a mother or father Sasquatch lifted a, the newborn up to show him. Hmm. Uh, but you know, it's my parents, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a. Uh, uh, one of my earlier episodes, you know, I, I, I shared it on there. It was from uh, C. Wayne Wilson. He he uh, he did a two-part show with me uh, at the beginning there. I was like episode eight or nine. And, you know, it's kind of controversial. Some people, you know, discredit what he has to say. Some people don't. But, mm-hmm. you know, I've, I've never heard of it otherwise. You know what I mean? Not, uh, I certainly mm-hmm. haven't seen a newborn. And I, I would tend to think that they would be more protective. But, uh, yeah, I'm with you that it seems like there's way more evidence that leans towards a physical creature than a spiritual being. Um, Mm -hmm. But, you know, there is that that whole woo factor that people say. But, you know, they they talk about seeing lights. They talk about seeing uh, Mm -hmm. like the predator kind of thing. Uh, They talk about, you know, the the tracks just quit at a certain spot and there's no way to figure out where Mm -hmm. they go from there. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, if Sasquatch is out there and we're going to be completely open-minded, then maybe we're looking at other creatures or other entities when um, we're just trying to lump it into Sasquatch because it's some of it seems Sasquatch-like. It could be other things going on at the same time, you know. If if we're open enough to consider possibility of a Sasquatch, then we got to be open enough to consider 
the possibility of other creatures too. Um, For sure. You know, I, I have a little bit of a, a back and forth with my dad over Dogman. You know, he is hardcore in the Dogman camp. He is all about it. And I'm like, that's so hard for me to wrap my head around. But I, I'm i doing a disservice to everyone around me and myself if I'm like a hard no on any of it. You know what I mean? For sure, yeah. I want to be hypocritical, so i got to stay open. Okay. Exactly. And I... I, uh, I don't discredit anyone you know, who says that these things are uh, interdimensional beings and whether servants, messengers, or whatnot, soldiers of aliens, and they, you know, they're there to spy out our planet and whatnot. Right. I don't, uh, I don't, you know, I don't say, oh, you know, you're an idiot for something. I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not by any means saying that. Um, I think that there's a lot, like, people say there's a lot that goes on with these creatures that that's really unexplainable. Maybe we don't know. Um, maybe that infrasound has a lot to do with um, the way they can mess with their brains. I, I don't know. You know, I'm not, I'm still, like I said, I'm still, as I listen to it and I investigate more with Sasquatch, I, I get more and more puzzled on what these things are. It's just saying they're, they're just an ape that's, you know, that's thousands of years old. Um, I think the uh, one thing that I think is the most um, interesting is the, is the uh, cloaking part. Yeah. Um, I think that these things, as I said in West I think that these things have some sort of ability to blend in with their environment. And by that, I mean maybe it's more of a chameleon type thing. Right. Uh, I'm not talking about like, oh, they put their hand on the tree, and all of a sudden their hand looks exactly like the, the same color of the tree. And it's got the bark. Like, I'm not saying that. Um, if you ever been to the zoo, uh, there's amphibians and lizards that actually, and even insects, that praying mantis whatnot, you can, you can look at and you're like, you can barely tell that that praying mantis is not a leaf compared to the foliage you saw. Yes. And I think that these things might, you know, their, their, their hair tones their, their, uh, or whatnot might be such a way that they blend in so well, and our eyes may not be able to distinguish like, if someone's standing there, it might not be able to see one standing 10 feet away because it's so well blended in with its environment. Um, right. And that might be something to do with, that might be something to do with um, blending in. But it also might be at a point where we might be able to see it when it moves, but if we were to film it, um, we might not be able to pick it up because it's so well adapted to its surroundings that, you know, that, that coloration or whatnot, I don't know how else to describe it, the chameleon ability, that we can't pick it up. There's that video um, of, a, of a lady who's, uh, who's out looking for him, and she's talking to someone with her pure dog nearby, and there's that, that holographic shape that runs away from him. And it's like, you look at that, and you're like, that's obviously not camera work, just, just you know, CGI. That's obviously not the trees just moving. There's something there. Yeah. And that's one of those instances where you're like, I don't, I don't know what to make of that. Like, was it a Sasquatch? I don't know. Probably could be. Yeah, it's, you know, I, that's why I love talking about this stuff, man, because there, there's no <laughs> – nobody's wrong yet. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's it's all something that we can speculate on, and uh, I, I love thinking, and it gives me so much to think about. But on the, on the spiritual side of things, um, you mentioned that you had a, a demonic activity or demonic encounter. 
Oh gosh, yes. <laughs> okay. Are you? Are you? So this, this, I am comfortable with it. It's just, and I apologize. I'm seeing one. I, I might break up a little bit. Uh, get emotional about this. I apologize. It's okay. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm comfortable talking about it. It's, uh, it's, it's hard to uh, articulate sometimes, but it's um, something that happened to me, and I don't want to say it's completely changed my life, but it's definitely, it's definitely. Uh, you know, you hear about all your life that, you know, oh, yeah, ghosts are real, um, demonic activities are real. And then you get science involved, and they're like, oh, no, that's just people being schizophrenic. They're not actually being possessed. Or someone was on PC, someone was on PCP, and that's why they had so much strength that they could, they could get hit by a bus head on and not get affected. And, or, you, see, you know, it's just lighting and, and camera work that when these people try to send these ghosts and whatnot. Like, okay. You can be on one side of the camp and you can be on the other side of the camp. Uh, but until it happens to you, you know, just like I guess like Sasquatch, you know, everyone's a, a skeptic until it happens to them, or everyone's yeah. a cynic until it happens to them. Yeah. Uh, and this specific one is uh, is one of those, it's, you know, it's in your face. So um, this one happened, um, I believe, late 2015, early 2016. Um, and the only reason I don't know is because uh, I had just married my wife in November of 2015, so coming up on our five-year anniversary. Um, we just, of course, uh, as a Christian, you know, I, I, I just then started living with my wife uh, once we got married, so I was single until that point. Um, a, we were laying in bed. Um, don't know what time it was. I know it was late at night, and um, my wife woke up with Night terrors. Um, so night terrors is like a nightmare. Uh, you know, you wake up, you're 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 uneasy, you're sweating, that type of stuff. But night terrors are a specific psychological condition, uh, very akin to sleepwalking. Um, so it's it's something that happens that you can't really control. Uh, I'm sure there's like electromagnetherapy that can help out with with the brain waves on that. But it's a condition that you have. It's a you know diagnosable condition, and she's been diagnosed with. So she starts having a night terror, and she's slaying her arms around and whatnot. And, uh, you know, again, kind of like watching to, uh, if you want to compare a nightmare, a sleepwalking type thing. She's slaying her arms around, and she's like, oh, you know, saying all kinds of stuff. I don't really know what she's saying. And I reach over, and my wife's on my left. We're in bed, and the wall's right next to where she is. So her bed's wedged in the, the back wall, uh, and the wall's to her left. And I reach over and grab my wife and pull her over and like kind of kind of barrel with her over uh, and hold my wife. And this is all happening within a split second. And I look over at the corner of the bed to where the wall and the bed meet and the back wall meet. And this shadow, um, you know, like your shadow when you're walking down the street, you see your shadow behind you. This shadow, but very dark, moves very fast against the wall up to where the ceiling is, across the room in front of us, so where our feet are, and moves across the room, moves all over into the corner, the right corner of the room. So where our feet are, there's a wall in front of us, and the right corner of the room, to where the exit of our room is, where there's a door, it dwells in that corner right there. And um, so I say again, I apologize, this is all happening within, like, Five to ten seconds, grab her, roll over, the shadow moves, 
in the corner. And then all of a sudden, sorry, this, uh, this shadow, it, it grows into a beach ball size black mass. And this face comes out and stays in us. It was not a ghost. It was demonic. It had a look. Uh, it had a, an earth shattering, earth curdling aura about it. And it terrified me to the core. And I'm going off and I see this. And I'm a devout Christian, and I, I just, you know, as a child of God, as a believer, I just rebuke it in the name of Jesus, and I say, in the name of Jesus Christ. You must leave us. I am a child of the living God. I believe in him. He is my Savior. And in the name of Jesus Christ, you must leave. With anger in my voice and with intensity, the thing finally fades in, absorbs in and of itself, and just dissipates back into the wall, and it's gone. And I was absolutely terrified to my core. And my wife is crying, and I'm crying. And I just keep praying. I just say, thank you, Lord, for protecting us and keeping us safe. And, Lord, I know that you cannot, you do not allow this type of stuff to harm us as Christians. So then, this faith, it was gone. And I just kept praying. Yeah. Yeah, man, that that sounds so intense, Zach. You gave me chills all over my body. And, uh, you know, I, I've said it a hundred times, and I'll, I'll say it till I die. I'm, I'm a Christian, too, and I believe wholeheartedly in good and evil. Um, and I believe that, you know, we are safe. But what a scary encounter. And to know that it was going after your wife like that, um, that had to fill you with rage and fear. Um mm-hmm. I'm sorry you went through that, man. And that, that is a very intense situation. And I couldn't imagine. I, I don't know if I would have the clarity to call on the name of Jesus. But they they say even, I've heard encounters, you know, and accounts where even people that are atheists, if they, if they call on the name, the person calling on him doesn't even have to believe because that demon mm-hmm. believes. That demon knows. For sure. So... Out in the name, and I'm so glad that that you had the sense of mind to do that. Uh, that, that was that had to be one of the scariest things <laughs> I've, I've heard so far, man. And I'm, I'm just yeah. I'm grateful that you guys are all right. Yeah, and uh, my my wife is also a Christian, um, so you know if you want to, I'm okay with speculating or whatnot, so, you know, you're not going to offend me. Um, my wife is a Christian. She believes in Jesus Christ as her Savior. She's free from sin. Jesus paid it all. I'm the same way. Right. And it says very clearly in the Bible that, um, you know, the monotonies, you cannot raise your hand or you cannot go against God's elect, which once, and I'm not going to try to be preaching here, but I have to say this to explain this. Yeah. Um, once you believe and receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, um, Satan or Satan, sin no longer has dominion over you. 
So it cannot control you. Right. Uh, because you're submitted, you're now a servant of Christ. So that being said, that this demon cannot harm us. It cannot physically harm us because God will not allow it. Um, right. Because it has no dominion over us. Um, it can try. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that it, it, it could try. And, you know, you hear accounts like in the Bible to where there was men who tried to cast out demons, they couldn't, and the woman, the demon whooped them up. But that's because it was possessing a human. Uh, it whooped them up. And they just said, we rebuke you in the name of, uh, name of the God that Paul talks about. So they never rebuked it in the name of Jesus. They said, we rebuke it in the name of, of Paul that, that Paul preaches about. So they didn't have any authority. And right. uh, according to the story, they weren't Christians, as in, by Christians, I mean, believing Jesus Christ Christians, they believe in the power and authority thereof. Right. Um, so I also heard, uh, caution people on thinking if they can go around challenging these things and you know, using Ouija board, and you're not a believer, you're not, uh, you know, you're not a Christian, nothing good can come about it. I agree with you 100, percent and uh, yeah, definitely. You know, I'm I'm interested in hearing stories about people that have had Ouija encounters and stuff, um, just because the whole thing, you know, it's it's like a fascination, and it's every time I hear about this kind of a thing, it just it it makes me stronger in my faith. I think, you know, it, it it's just that much more validation to know how real, you know, the faith is. But I would not play with a Ouija board. That is that is tempting things that you don't need to try to tempt. And I believe, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I tend to lean towards you know once you are, uh, once you are a Christian, once you give your life to God, um, it seems like that's when a lot of times people struggle. Um, it seems like sometimes that the devil. That's when he tries to get you, um, mm-hmm. because yeah. And this is just me talking. I might have some people on here mm-hmm. that listen to the show that don't believe in Christianity at all. That's fine. Uh, skip forward. Uh, you know, I I don't want to lose anybody mm-hmm. because we have a difference of opinion. You know, or uh, a matter of faith for me, and they they choose to find you know whatever elsewhere. But I feel like once you're saved. Um, the devil wants no nothing more than to, than to take you from that and uh, to put that to throw that doubt in your mind. Um, mm-hmm. You don't have to believe in Satanism or anything like that. You just have to not believe in God, and that that's that's all he wants. You know, that's that's all the sure. that's all the devil's after is you know the absence he of cares, God. Yeah, he cares, he cares more about keeping you from praying and reading the Bible, talking to God. Then he does about you know keeping you know keeping you in you know sinfulness or whatnot. Exactly. He'd rather you spend less time with God and, and getting that nurture and that nature from God than than you know than trying to kill you type of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. He's not running around with a pitchfork trying to trying to you know trying to guide you to hell because you're not, you're not going there. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, um, so. This begs the question next that people want to listen to. Okay, so why did this happen? It doesn't just happen out of nowhere. Every so every here's one thing that is absolutely true. Every spiritual encounter or whatnot happens with a purpose. 
Yes. Every single one of them. You're not just walking down the street and a ghost comes up and slaps you in the face and goes on and, you know, for no reason. Um, the reason why I believe, and again, I'm, I don't want to lose anyone with this, but I believe it had something to do with our neighbor. Um, and the reason why I say that is because we have a neighbor right below us who, for some reason, hated us with a passion. Mm. Um, we never showed this woman. It was, a, it was a lady, and she was not old. She looked old, but she, she was not old. She was probably late 30s to early 40s. We showed this lady love, joy, peace, compassion. We showed her every, every kind of good nature you can possibly show, um, you know, just trying to show godliness to this lady. Um, and just, you know, treating her as our neighbor, as the Bible says, and, and treating her with love and respect. And, uh, but for some reason, she just, you know, she just had it out for us, and I don't know why. Um, she, we, me and my wife would literally just walk around from the living room to the kitchen, and if we were taking too hard of steps, we were walking around our shoes, she would use a broom and, or whatever and hit the ceiling, <laughs> hit her ceiling and, you know, our floor. I don't know why. I mean, I, some people, you know, that's, that's their, their motto in life is to, is to see the others suffer. I, I don't know. I don't, and I don't want to say that this lady hates every human being. You know, all I know is that I showed, me and my wife showed this, this, this lady, this individual, peace, compassion, and never retaliating against, against her. Um, she, and this is not drama, this is factual. She had gone to our um, apartment complex landlord or caretaker, whatever you want to call them, and had you know, filed her grievances and said, these people are running around and jumping and gym, doing gymnastics and whatnot, <laughs> uh, which was obviously not true. Like, you know, like literally at the time we were, we uh, had jobs that literally kept us away from the house for 10 to 12 hours a day. So the only time we were there is to come home, sleep, eat, shower, do it all over again. Um, right. So it's not, like I said, it's not like we were, you know, had a gymnastics class going on in our, class, in our house. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, but anyway, that's beside the point. Uh, yeah, so she had it out, out for us. She complained to us. She, she would do whatever. Uh, but this lady, um, how should I describe it? You know, in a in a good way. Um, she had some physical abnormalities about her. Uh, that's the best way to describe it. Uh, she chose not to take care of herself. Um, she looked very bad. Uh, and by that, I mean like someone who was on drugs and, uh, you know, desired that next six, cared about nothing else in life type, type thing. I'm not yeah. saying she was. Uh, just a, it's just a picture I can take for, for people who want to know. Um, I was told by the landlord lady that the... Um, what are those people called? The uh, maintenance people sometimes refuse to go in there because there was just such foul odor and, and stench and the apartment was unkept that oh. they couldn't get the work done if they needed to. If you know, this lady called on and said her light was out or electrical problems or her sink was backed up, um, they would actually refuse to go in there. Um, she was told, she told us that this lady kept a lot of candles around, which is, Cool, whatever, you can have candles all day. Yeah, maybe that's to cover up the smell. I don't know. Uh, it's not about, she didn't do it for heat, obviously, because she had heat going to her apartment. You weren't allowed to have an apartment without gas connection, so that's not true. Um, 
but it was very interesting. You know, I know that there's some, well, I'm, I have been told that there are a lot of demonic rituals that require candles and a circle of candles, um, you know, to break some sort of veil in order to call upon spirits. This is what I've been told. I've been, I've been told by people who have dealt with this type of stuff before. Um, so this is a lot of speculation. But this is the only logical explanation or whatever logical explanation I can, I can give for the reason why this, this demon appeared. Um, right. I do believe, I really truly do believe that she was trying to hex us. Uh, I kind of withheld from that when I relayed my story to Wes, but I really truly believe that. Um, and the reason why I believe that is because of what was told to me, relayed to me by the landlord and whatnot, that she was very difficult to deal with, very, a very difficult and uh, she she's the word evil person um, mm. and that she would kind of talk to herself a lot, which again, if this person had a mental problem, I, I'm sorry for that. So this is just what I've been relayed. It, that mental problem could be, you know, that's just what happens, schizophrenia or whatnot. Cool. And I wish, I wish this person the best health and best luck, uh, best fortune possible that I can possibly get. But that's what I believe was going on. Um, yeah. I heard that she, she was in some, some weird practicing of some stuff. Uh, and again, that is a gateway to demonic stuff is Ouija boards and or rituals and stuff like that. Right. Um, you know, watching a bad movie now and then it's not going to, not going to do anything for you. Uh, but this is, you know, when you're, when you're calling on these things to come, they will come. Yes. Um, yes. Absolutely. So, yeah. And then she even, she, there's even an instant where she has had enough and came upstairs knocked on her door, her life answered, and she's like, can I help you? And she started babbling, and I do mean babbling, and saying, you know, I'm a sick old lady, I'm trying to get some sleep, by the way, it's noon, um, trying to get some sleep, um, <laughs> you know, you got to stop this, I was told that if this ever happened again, I'm supposed to call the police and have you physically removed from the apartment, again, lies, right. um, and, and I stepped around the corner and just said, hey, what's going on here, kind of just like that. And once she saw my face, she freaked out like she'd just seen the face of God. And I don't, I'm not saying I'm holy by any means, I'm just saying that's what she looked, she, she reacted, kind of stumbled on herself and started saying stuff to herself and just said, I'm, 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 I'm going to go, I'm going to call the police and just ran away. Yeah. Um, so her reaction tells me a lot about yeah. what she thought of us or thought of yeah. me specifically. Yeah, I, th- I think you're absolutely right. Um, and I would take it that you moved out of that apartment since. Oh yeah, we <laughs> we did. Uh, it was uh, being newly married and you know whatever how old, old we were, uh, twenty three, twenty four at the time. You know we finally got established in our careers and was able to uh, afford the next the next uh, place to live. And uh, we couldn't get out of there fast enough, obviously. <laughs> yeah, get away from the. Uh... The Hector there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, you know, I think you you probably feel that that's what was going on for a good yeah. reason. Uh, there's no, to me, there's no other explanation. Um, yeah. Because, again, I said spiritual activity, um, you know, supernatural activity does not happen by random. It does not happen by happenstance. It's, it's always specific. Yeah. Um, even haunt, quote-unquote, haunted houses. Um, if you're hearing that type of stuff, it's activity that's it's meant for you to either warn you or get you out of there or tell you to leave or 
or whatever. Uh, it doesn't. You're not just there by by circumstance, and it just happens. So, man. Well, Zach, I'm glad you shared that with me, man. I thank you, and I know that that got you. Uh, it, it's still a soft spot for you, you know. And I'm I'm really mm-hmm. glad that you shared that with me. Yeah, no problem. Um, I think so. Is there anything you want to go over with me? I'm I'm an open book with stuff. That's other than this stuff, my life's pretty boring. <laughs> <laughs> hey, mine too, man. Mine too. Well, now that um, I think we covered everything that was in the emails and stuff like that, but uh, if there's anything else that comes to mind, you got my number, man. Just shoot me a text. You know, just oh, I definitely will. Just holler at me and. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing everything with me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm glad I could, I could share. And I, I like share, uh, excuse me. Um, I, I did receive a lot of ridicule and whatnot. I mean, which I'm sure most people have, especially like what happened at the, uh, back in, uh, 2009 with the, with that story. I would tell the people and be like, Hey, what's going on? What do you think this is? And they were fine with, you know, whatever, until I mentioned the word Sasquatch or Bigfoot, and then everyone everyone starts booking when you right. say that. And, you know, they've cooked the story under the bus. So yeah. I would just encourage people, you know, if you really have something like this, even if it's minor, tell to someone. And tell to someone who you can trust and, and can actually, you know, listen to you. Because it feels a lot better saying it and sit, uh, speaking out in, you know, to the world and confining it in you. Because... For me, it ended up making me only feel like there was something wrong with me. It felt like, you know, I'm crazy. And trust me, I'm not. And I don't think you are either. (laughs) Thank you for saying that. You know, I I think that's uh, that's good for people to know uh, that we all believe in something, you know, and we've all had things that we can't explain, and it's okay to talk about it. You know, um, if people give you ridicule, but they haven't had their day yet. <laughs> you know what I mean? For sure. Thank you for listening to this week's episode, guys. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please go to wherever you listen to podcasts from and leave me a five-star rating and review. You can follow me on Facebook at The Bump Podcast. I'm on Instagram under the same name and Twitter. Um, if you have a story that you'd like to share, please feel free to message me on any of those platforms and I'll be sure to get back to you. Or you can email me at thebumppodcast at gmail.com. That's thebumppodcast at gmail.com. And last but not least, be sure to check out the merchandise that I have now. It's on my Facebook page. I have links to everything. It's on Teespring. It's, you can find it as The Bump Podcast or The Bump Podcast Bigfoot on teespring i have lots of merch i got a whole lot more coming out um all of the artwork i'm doing it myself i'm designing everything myself so it's a it's a lot of work on my end but i'm just hoping that i put something out there that you guys can enjoy so thanks again for listening and don't stop believing